All right, we've got a great episode of Side Retired coming at you guys today. It'll be Dylan and Nico as always, and today we'll get a little inside perspective into the agency side of Major League Baseball. So Nico, let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It's Dylan Campione, joined alongside Nico Fernandez as always. And Nico, we've got a great guest joining us on today's episode, but first, how you doing? Can't complain, you know, just signed Lucas Giolito, so I'm happy as a Red Sox fan, but other than that, excited to talk some baseball. Absolutely. So today we're joined by Jason Hoffman, a Major League Baseball player, agent. He works for Premier Talent Sports and Entertainment Company for the MLB agency side. So Jason, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to speaking about uh, a little bit of baseball today. Absolutely. So the first question we always like to ask our guests is that the agency side is one of the sides of baseball. We don't really get to see an inside perspective into that often. I know people interview players and coaches and managers, but sort of from your lens, what is the game of baseball like and what is it to be an MLB player agent? Gosh, the, the game is in a great place today. Uh, you know, these players are throwing the ball harder than they ever have. They're hitting balls as far as they ever have. So, so the game is in great shape. Uh, the MLPA, MLBPA does a great job along with MLB of, uh, you know, making sure the game is advancing and growing. But as far as being an agent, uh, the day-to-day life, it's a grind. It's, uh, you know, similar to what the guys are doing on field. Obviously, the pressure that they feel is not the pressure that we feel. But uh, we're living and dying on every pitch, kind of just like they are in every at-bat. So it's a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great way to make a living, I always tell people. But you have to be okay with the scrutiny. You have to be okay with the uh, demands that come with this job as well. So, but, uh, you know, again, great, great career. I, and I, I love being a part of it every day. Yeah, and I think that, as Dylan was saying, a lot of people don't really know, like, what goes into being a player agent. I think that people just hear the word agent and they think, like, Scott Boris, they think you're Rich Pauls that handle LeBron. What is it like having, like, a list of clients and having the day-to-day, having to go through and cater yourself to, like, each person? Because, again... There's only 24 hours in a day. so it must Yeah, be it gets extremely busy. Uh, my morning starts super early. Uh, well, super early, at least for me. So <laughs> my morning start at 5 a.m. Uh, I pretty much work on East Coast time. So I'll start my day as if, you know, I, I work out of California, but I'll start my day as if, you know, I'm, I'm back east. We're headquartered in New York. Uh, the, the downside of that, though, is that I actually am out west. So my day will extend, you know, to 8 o'clock. Uh, now, when we get into the season, obviously, I have to stay up as late as the latest game is being played out here on the West Coast. So a lot of times it's, you know, we're going from about 5 o'clock in the morning until 11, 1130 at night. So it is a grind, and, and every player, you know, you can't treat everyone the same. Each player uh, has different needs. They have unique needs. Some players are, uh, you know, a little bit more hands-off. Some players require a lot more attention. But you're touching base with your players uh, as frequently as needed. You know, again, that could be for some players, especially in-season, you know, talking to them once a week. Uh, once we get into the off season, you know, I might slow down a little bit, but, uh, you know, especially when we're in season during games, I like to make sure that I call guys after the game and say, Hey, you know, nice job. Or, you know, Hey, way to, way to get out of that jam there in the fourth inning, little things like that to let them know that, Hey, you know, he is watching, he is paying attention to what's going on because I truly do. And I try to watch as many games as I can. 
So there'll be a lot of days where I'm sitting here and I'll have four games going on a, a TV screen. And I'll have another, you know, uh, game on my laptop and another game on my iPad. So, you know, you're trying to watch as many games as possible. Absolutely. And sort of adding on to that, how much is it just baseball? Because I know a lot of it being a player agent, you represent the person. There's obviously other things that go into being a player agent. So how much is it like, is it 50-50 in baseball and life or is it majority baseball? How does that breakdown sort of work? You know, I like to make baseball the most important thing because this is a business. Uh, we are paid to do a specific job for them, and that job is to to negotiate contracts at the end of the day. So a lot of it is baseball, but again, there is a, a good majority of it that is, is, is managing people and managing expectations uh, and dealing with family members, dealing with the players' wives, dealing with the players' parents, but none of that will ever – uh, you know, be a factor if you're not taking care of business on the field. So we make sure that business is the baseball business is the primary focus and the rest of the stuff kind of falls in line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, again, when you have a lot of clients and a lot of people who are like interested in different things and in different stages of the process, like each person, I'm assuming you're dealing with differently when it comes to like their opportunities and how you're trying to like negotiate contracts because some people there just getting into the, into the minors or, you know, just got drafted. And some people are maybe this year or in a year and a half, like getting that call. How do you differentiate between the people who are more early in their career versus the people who are maybe like on the precipice of getting to the bigs? You know, you really want to, believe it or not, a lot of the things uh, that we do with the amateur players, so guys that are getting ready to get into the draft, there's a lot of prep work that goes into getting them ready to pro ball, getting them acclimated to pro ball before they even sign their contract. Uh, the last thing that I want to do is have a guy sign his professional contract and a week later he's on a plane to Arizona or Florida without knowing kind of what to expect. So there's a lot of prep work that goes into that. Hey, when you get here, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take the physical. Uh, you're probably going to stay here for X amount of weeks, get you know X amount of bats. Then you're going to move on to you know this situation. So we try to make them as mentally prepared as possible for that. Now, a, a guy that's been in the system for a few years, maybe he's getting ready to get to the big leagues. Same thing applies there. We want to let them know, hey, when you get that call up, this is likely what's going to happen. You know, you, you may be on the road. You're going to have to stay at this hotel. When you get back home, you have a certain amount of days where you can stay at the hotel. And, you know, so there are a lot of different things that go into it. But the preparation is the key. We want to prepare those guys for when that event takes place, when that call up takes place when that first professional at bat takes place so that they're not so uh, shocked once they get there, uh, you know, because they're dealing with things on there and they're dealing with family members that want tickets and stuff like that. So their life moves a lot faster when they turn pro and it moves even quicker when they get to the big leagues. I love it. And I think one of the fun things about your journey and correct me if you're wrong, but I think you also played ball when you were in high school, when you were in college and then got drafted a couple of times as well. So how do you think that's affected your career knowing that, you came from the player's perspective and now you're representing other players. Yeah, I, I was uh, drafted twice. A uh, little funny side note about that is I was drafted by the same scout that drafted Tom Brady. So Tom and I grew up in the Bay <laughs> area. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what everyone said, right? Yeah, <laughs> His life turned out slightly better. No, but uh, we, we both grew up in the, in the Bay area. He's a year older than I am, but we were about 40 minutes apart. Uh, and so the Montreal Expos drafted him in 95. They drafted myself in 96. But um, it it does help. Listen, I wasn't a good player, but I know what good looks like. So, <laughs> it, 
it helps because I understand the, the little subtleties that a player is going through. It could be something as, as minor as, uh, you know, you'd be down in Louisiana. We got that heat out there and it feels like it's 120 with that heat index and you're down to your last pair of batting gloves and you're one for your last 20. And the, the slightest thing is going to set you off, right? So I know as an agent going into that, hey, this guy may be going through some things here. Let me reach out to him and see how everything is going. Uh, so those little things uh, help. I understand how difficult it is to hit a 93-mile-an-hour-plus fastball with movement. It's it's not easy. So I understand when they struggle. I'm there when they struggle. If they need someone to talk to after a game, hey, I get it. And I'm not going to ask them stupid questions like, why would you swing at that pitch in the dirt? Well, he swung at it because it looked like a fastball, right? If you real life <laughs> So, uh, you know, we, we don't pepper them with those kind of dumb questions because once these guys get to the big leagues, especially, you have to remember, they're under intense scrutiny and pressure. Uh, they have to answer to their manager. They have to answer to their hitting coach uh, or their pitching coach. They have to answer to their general manager. The general manager has to answer to the owner. Sometimes the owner is down there in the clubhouse. And he's got to answer to him. So there are a lot of answer to the media. So there are a lot of different people that they have to answer to. You don't want to be another burden. You want to be that person that they look forward to speaking with after the game, good or bad. So that's what I try to be and give them their space when needed. But being a former uh, player definitely does help because, you know, again, you, you understand what they're going through and, and you understand what equipment is good equipment, what equipment is bad equipment. Uh, so when you're doing endorsement deals too, that comes, that comes into play as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing, especially from like being in baseball and like talking with people is that it really takes a special kind of like person to like survive minor league baseball. And I think that's one thing that like agents like have to look for. It's like you're not only are you like catering to players, but you're also finding those players for like yourself. What is it going? Because, again, you you told us a little bit about it. You have guys like Alex Mauricio and Homer Bush, like those special guys, like what makes them different in your eyes? Like when you're looking for players what separates them from just any other guy in the minors? You know, once you get to professional baseball, it really is the neck up. Uh, you know, a lot of the guys are physically good enough to get to the big leagues. It, it becomes a consistency factor. Are you able to get rid of the bad game that you had last night and, and forget about it and get out here the next night? Because we're playing every day. Can you get out here the next night and perform knowing that, hey, I probably cost my team the game last night when I botched that ball in center field. It didn't help that I went over four or three strikeouts either. Can you get back out there the next night and perform at a high level? Or maybe you just blew a save situation. Well, you might be in that same situation the next day. Can you get out there and forget about it? And even crazier, you might be facing the same hitters in the lineup that beat you last night in a similar situation. So can you, uh, you know, flesh that? And, and go on and do your job. So I think with guys like that, they're different from the neck up. You know, obviously, again, they're physical specimens. They can throw a ball far or throw a ball hard, rather hit a ball far. But what are they doing from the neck up between the ears? Do they have what it takes uh, to get through the rigors of a, of a professional baseball season? That's what I think separates them. Absolutely. I love it. Let's give a little hype to some of those guys that you've mentioned earlier. I know one of the first guys that came to our mind when we were looking through some of the guys you represent because we had his dad on the podcast a couple of months ago, and that is Homer Bush Jr., a member of the Padres organization. So what's it like representing him as well as if you want to give the Padres faithful some sneak peek into what they might be getting? Yeah, and, sh and shout out to Homer Bush Sr. for, uh, you know, being a heck of a player himself, but, you know, raising an even better person as a son. Um, first thing I'll say about Homer is that he's an A-plus person. He is uh, he is really the real deal when it comes to that. And, and, you know, if I were to say anything to San Diego fans, it's 
get ready for this kid. You're going to love him. He's going to be a fan favorite. Your kids are going to love him. Uh, and, and he is the real deal. You know, uh, he brings a lot of excitement on the field. He's a player that uh, when you get to the game, you kind of gravitate toward his style of play. He plays the game with an old school mentality, uh, kind of with a new school flair. So, you know, he's uh, he's an exciting player to watch, but he does the little things correct. He's a kid. Here's a guy that you can you can bring your kids to the game and say, hey, watch how he does X, Y, Z. He's going to hit the cutoff, man. He's going to hit behind the runner. He's going to take the extra base on a ball in the dirt. He's going to tag up on a ball in uh, foul territory. He's going to do the little things that are going to win you games uh, and, and endear himself to the fan base out there in San Diego. Yeah, one of the things you just said there about him, like, gives me like a perfect little tangent like that old school way of playing the game versus that new style flair i think a lot of people like how you said it perfectly they confuse it they think that like oh if you're playing like with flair if you play like you're you know having fun like everyone's playing a game that like you're lazy or that you're showboating and that you don't want to do like the the nitty-gritty things what do you think is that like difference how do you think players and people as fans could really understand that like Hey, you can be have fun because at the end of the day, it's baseball. It's a game that everyone right. played when they're five years old, while still doing the little things. How do you think like people balance it? And how do you think we get people to understand that baseball could be fun? It's not just a job that we have to watch for four hours. Yeah, no, baseball is extremely exciting. I, I love the flair. You know, I I grew up in an era where you didn't do the bat flipping and all that stuff, but you know, there's a lot of people that dig that. I mean, there was just consequences, right? <laughs> if we were yeah. to do something like that in my era. But the excitement that uh, we see in today's game reminds me of the excitement that they play with in, uh, you know, Latin America. That's they've been playing like that in Latin America. And that's why the fans go so crazy. So I love this new style of play. But I love also the old school style that some of these players are able to implement. You know, guys like a Homer Bush Jr., where they play hard every day. They don't take plays off. They give you a hard 90. They do all the little things right to win baseball games, but they also uh, play with that flair. So it's a, it's a great combination. And, and, and baseball is very exciting. And I encourage fans to go out there and, you know, watch games, get out there to games, because they're playing a, a brand of baseball today that we really haven't seen before. Uh, you know, guys stealing bases and whatnot now that they've uh, – you know, they, they, they uh, you know, widen the bases and everything like that. It's, it's added to more base stealing. So it's, it's really a fun time to watch baseball. And, yeah. and, you know, when I watch baseball, too, they're doing such a good job of explaining the analytical side to it. Uh, you know, I know some of the older guys get tired of hearing about launch angle and exit velocity, and, and I get it, but it really does explain to the fans kind of why this ball was hit out of the ballpark. And, and I think it's pretty cool. You know, we didn't have that. Uh, you know, growing up when I was a kid watching baseball. I think that's also one of the cool things about baseball right now is that the marketing of the game is really fascinating because I think the NBA does a great job of making it a player's first league. And definitely the NBA is great at marketing their players. And yes, it's smaller roster sizes, but I feel like a lot of people know the majority of the players. And then MLB is in an interesting spot because everyone knows Otani. Everyone knows Judge. Everyone's making the jokes about MLB making. I think it's around nine posts in the last two days about Yoshinobu Yamamoto. But um, there's also this disconnect, it seems like, in that they're not doing the most that they could to market their players or market their games. So how as an agent do you try to market your players and sort of give it whether it's endorsement deals or advertisements or just shouting them out on social medias? How do you market your players in a different baseball environment? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. The, the game, obviously, you know, kind of trails behind the NBA and the NFL. Um, 
you know, it's it's sad to say, but a guy like Mike Trout to walk through a major city uh, and, and probably wouldn't get recognized, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, but in terms of marketing the players, it starts at the at the at the local level. Let's just say you have a player that plays for the uh, we'll throw out the Milwaukee Brewers uh, in the big league. So, you know, you want to start there locally and build that brand there locally and, and branch out. Uh, you know, to, to national things. Now, obviously, you're going to get the endorsement deals with, you know, Tops and Rawlings and, and Nike and whatnot, uh, some of those bigger companies. But as far as getting this guy popular within the city and having fans show up to watch this guy play, it does take a little bit of that grassroots uh, boots on the ground type of work where maybe it's, it's, it's getting them an endorsement deal at the local Chevy dealer or having them at a, you know, a corporate autograph signing for a big company there that's in his city. So, Little things like that help to promote the game to fans that might otherwise, uh, you know, not have not have gone to a baseball game to see that player, and then maybe they buy a jersey his or something like that, and they keep coming back. So that's what we want to do. There is start at the local level and kind of branch our way out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the guys that again you're going to start wanting to highlight because he looks like he's going to be up there soon is is Mauricio. I mean, I was looking at his stats before Alex Mauricio, and he just blew the doors off of me. I mean, the guy seems like he's real deal. Anything you want to add? What Again, like I was saying before, what separates him, guys like him and Homer Bush, that you just see that makes him a guy that people want to watch? Yeah, a guy like Mauricio, um, he's the real deal. He's a fiery competitor. Uh, he's one of, the, one of the most fierce competitors that I've come across. He really wants to win. He wants to win bad, and he will do what it takes to, to get the job done. He has the other thing that separates him is, is he has a flair for the dramatic. Um, there isn't a moment that I've seen him come up against. It's been too big. Uh, and I'll give you an example of that. You know, he was in spring training last year with the Yankees and he, and he pitched in a handful of games there, but he struck out everybody that he faced. And so, you know, the brighter the lights, the bigger he seems to play. He rises to the occasion. Um, so I'm excited his personality is going to fit great in New York. Uh, he's going to be a real treat to the fans once he gets there. He, he, he'll he be another fan favorite type. But uh, fiery competitor, again, very, very intelligent baseball player as well. He understands uh, the hitters. He understands how to attack guys. Uh, and he gets it very gritty. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to him. He is the real deal. Uh, and, and he's going to help the Yankees win games in 2024. Yeah, we're in 2024 already. So 2024 – uh, no doubt, in my opinion. I love it. I know our Yankee fan listeners are definitely hyped up to hear that one. So we also have to give our Mets fans cross town a little something as well. I know you represent another pitcher, Ben Simon, if you want to talk to us about how he's doing as well. Ben is another one. Extremely intelligent kid. Very, very uh, diligent worker. Uh, you know, he comes from a good program at Elon. Uh, they, have a, they have a great program there where he learned a lot of things. Uh, and, and he's a consummate pro. Uh, the thing that, that sticks out with Ben, again, his competitiveness, his intelligence. But uh, let's not forget this kid's packing a 97-plus mile-an-hour fastball as well. Uh, so, you know, and, and and that was on display last year when he played, uh, you know, teams like Wake Forest and whatnot. Uh, you know, he's giving fist pumps after the save. So he's another fiery competitor, a guy that will get to uh, New York with the Mets. And he's going to be a guy that, uh, you know, I look at Ben and I just go, this guy's probably going to be playing until he's in his late thirties or something like that. He just keeps himself in, in supreme shape and, and he's always ready to go. So he's another guy that's going to be around for a long time. And, and the Mets got a really good one there with him. Great job scouting, by the way, on the, on the Mets, uh, you know, with, with Ben Simon. So 
there were a couple teams on draft day that were really vying to get him and the Mets stepped up and, and, and took him. So, you know, again, hats off to the Mets scouting department for uh, doing a good job with Ben. Hey, the Mets got lucky. That's what, that's what you like to see. The Mets got a good yeah. one. That's always great. There was, yeah, they, they jumped right up. There was a, there was a team on their heels. Uh, I was very interested. And, and the funny thing about that is that Ben grew up a Mets fan. Um, so it was, I didn't even know that. He, he told me he was so happy. He goes, I, I grew up a Mets fan. I said, are you kidding? He goes, no, man, I, I've been a Mets fan my entire life. And, you know, for a while we thought it was going to be the Yankees. And, and so did he, uh, you know, that was going to draft him. But when the Mets took him, I said, wow, this is a story. This is a storybook kind of ending here. So um, I can't wait to see him up there uh, playing for the Mets. And, and, and you know, he's going he's gonna to be a treat for Mets fans. Oh, I love it. Can't wait to see that. But I do have a follow-up based on that of sort of what is your experience as an agent during that MLB draft period? Like what is your role involved in hoping to get a player recruited, getting a player drafted? How is your day in and day out helping the player go? Yeah, there's so much that goes into the draft. We're actually, that's something that starts early. So right now I'm, I'm already, you know, obviously in talks with the players that would be in this 2024 draft, but we keep a database uh, that database has, you know, all the teams that have contacted them. I don't want to give out too much information, but it's a pretty in-depth database. So that process starts early. Uh, and as we get closer to the draft, there's a clearer picture that's uh, painted. So we know, you know who the teams are that, are that are serious about them. Obviously, we know the teams uh, that he's worked out for. Uh, we know how he's done at the Combine. So we have all that data and we're able to make an educated, uh, you know, guess as to where he's going to go, what that slot will be worth. We talk with the families and we get together with a price that, uh, you know, they're comfortable with. So it is a, um, you know, that, that's a, that's an exciting time, but it can be a stressful time for the players. So we want them to enjoy that um, because that's, that's the last time that they're going to go through that process, hopefully. Right. Unless they're a you know, high school kid, maybe he opts to go to college, but for most people, that's the last time that you're going to get a, you know, a chance to be drafted. So we want that opportunity to be special. We want it to be fun. We don't want it to be a stress on the family. But it can be that uh, because you have a lot of teams that are coming at you. Some of them are asking questions that are probing and, you know, might be considered rude to some people. So we prep the player and we let them know, hey, they're just doing their job. They have a job to do. They're trying to get information from you. If you don't know an answer to a question, it's OK to say, I don't know. Uh, you know, but we're big on making sure that the player does everything to put himself in a position to be drafted. Uh, little things like filling out the questionnaires that teams send. Right. We, they take a long time to do. Nobody wants to do it. But I'm on these players all the time. But, hey, get this done. Get this done. It shows that you're a professional. It shows that you want to, you know, play baseball for a living. So, um, yeah, but that, that's a that's a fun time for everybody. But we try to take the stress off it. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to ask is I like especially when we have different people like from the walks of like baseball. I mean, like apart from like the typical like baseball player or coach that we have. From an MLB player agent's perspective, what do you think, apart from like obviously the day-to-day -day grind, is the most difficult part of being an agent? Because I think a lot of people, again, like I was saying before, they see like just having like the good players. They see them getting the Nike deal. They see them getting the Bruce Bolt deal. What's the stuff that they don't see that you're like, yeah, this is like kind of like what people need to know if they ever want to get into this field, that it's not just all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> Yeah, it is definitely not that is a very thankless job. The thing that they don't see is the amount of work that we do to prepare to negotiate a contract. That is very tedious. Uh, you know, I kind of liken it sometimes to writing a movie script, right? So it, it's, it probably looks like 
there's a ton of paper on the floor that never made it to a pitch deck because we're constantly trying new ideas. Uh, I don't know if you guys are football fans or not, but I'll use a football analogy. A, a, a good running back takes what's not there. That's the same thing with an agent. We have to take what's not there. So what does that mean? That means that we can't just negotiate the back of the baseball card stats. Even now with analytical data, we can't just negotiate exit velocities, um, right? We have to negotiate things that aren't there. So I'll give you an example of that. We need to figure out ways to separate our player from everybody else that's in the class. That may be, hey, what does a guy do in inning seven, eight, and nine when his team is down by three runs or less and he's, uh, you know, facing, you know, uh, their, their leverage guys? Uh, what does he do in those situations? How clutch is this performer? Um, you know, if he's a pitcher, is he able to get you uh, six outs? Things like that, we need to really, really dig. Um, and once you're able to do that, you're able to uncover some gems, but that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of watching baseball games to be able to say, hey, you know what? I think this guy does this really well. Let me go to the data and see if I can confirm it. But if you're not watching the games, you'll never know that. And so it may take you a long time to find those nuggets, but that's the side that people don't see. Negotiating the contract is actually easy, believe it or not. Um, it's the data that you have to go into the negotiation with that is difficult to get. And that's what separates the good agents from average agents or bad agents. It's the ability to take what's not there. If the team is offering this and they're offering it based on these numbers, I need to get more money. So I need to add more data, more facts. And that's what people don't see. That's the side that's not sexy. I love it. And then speaking on that same path of differentiating and make yourself think better than sort of the others is I wanted to shout out your company that you're with is PTSE. Uh, so yeah. makes you guys different from other agencies and what's been the best part so far about being a part of the company? Yeah. Shout out to PTSE. They've been great. Um, you know, our president, Paul Kinzer, he's got a ton of experience. He's been doing this for a long time. Um, but what makes us unique is that we have so many agents spread out around the country. It makes us, it makes us dynamic in a way that I think a lot of agencies just don't have. And, and again, I'll give you an example. I could be in California and we represent a player in Florida and I could be talking to a scouting director that may happen to be at a game. And I could mention a kid, Hey, have you, have you, you know, seen this kid down in Florida? You know, I haven't heard about him. Tell me a little bit more about this kid. So, you know, and vice versa, a guy in Florida could be talking about one of my guys out West. So I think that's what makes us unique. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool synergy that we have. Uh, we, we work as a unit. We work together. Um, we have a great marketing division, uh, you know, led by Justin Tagliamedi. So we do a lot of good stuff for players that, that other agencies just aren't able to do. So, yeah, we, uh, it's, it's, it's been pretty fun. And we have a lot of young guys, too. So that helps us as well relate to some of these younger players. I love it. Sounds like a blast. So we have three fun questions here to throw at you, sort of fun baseball side retired, three outs on the side is retired. So same thing on the interview if you're game for them. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. I love it. All right. The first one we've got for you, and this might be a tough one, but your favorite memory working in the baseball industry so far. So if it's a story, a moment or something like that, that you can tip your cap. Oh, boy. Um, 
that would probably have to be my first uh, contract extension that I did. Um, this was this was for uh, David Hernandez. He um, was playing for the Arizona Diamondbacks at the time. Had just been traded over recently, uh, and in his first year there, he had a really really good year. I could see in this kid that uh, you know he was a late round pick, but I could see in this kid. I said, you know, he's got something there. He, he's gonna be he's gonna be special. Um, now I, it was I had to convince the Diamondbacks of the same thing. <laughs> so what makes that my favorite memory is because that was a hard deal to get. We really had to stay on him. I had to call and call and call, and I had to hear no, 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 no. And finally, it got to a point where they knew that if they didn't do this extension, it was probably going to cost them a lot of money. So. Um, we were able to get an extension and it, and it worked out well for the player. He ended up getting hurt his next year, but because he already had that extension, they still had to pay him out, uh, you know, the money that we bargained for. Uh, and, you know, obviously he still hit free agency on time. So that's, that's one of my favorite memories. Uh, and it was done with, with the late Kevin Towers. Kevin was a great guy to work with. Um, you know, he, he was a great GM, um, but uh, it was a pleasure working with Kevin on that first deal. And uh, yeah, that's something I will, I will always remember. That's awesome. Yeah. The second question we got for you, a little bit more fun. Um, you have a lot of clients. You also play baseball. I love asking this question. What's your walk-up song? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit old school. So it would be California Love by Tupac. Phenomenal pick. Right? Can't go wrong with that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's more that we've had so far. <laughs> yeah, and it's Bay Area. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. You got to gotta go Tupac, definitely. That's the thing. Like, every time I ask it, we get, like, 50%. 50% of the time, it's like, hey, that's nice. Yeah, don't know what song you're talking about. <laughs> and then the other half, like, I just get genuine inside. Like, California Love, I'm always biased. I'm from Miami. So, like, whenever they give me a Latin song, I always go crazy. Yeah. But, like, if it's something that, like, a rap song, oh, my gosh. Phenomenal. Uh, Great. Being from Miami, you'll appreciate this. One of the coolest songs, and you still hear it in, in arenas today, football arenas, is the uh, Take It to the House song uh, by Trick Daddy. That old yep. school. Uh, so I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. If I were a football player, I'd love to hear that in the end zone <laughs> yeah. right, when I score. So, um, yeah, but no, walk-up music is, is pretty cool. They've done a good job of it nowadays, especially when you go to uh, minor league ballparks. Um, you know, the walk-up songs are pretty crazy. So that's, I always enjoy hearing, hearing kind of the new music when I get out there to the ballpark. Oh, absolutely. That's a cool way also for players to market themselves. I know a couple of players as well are sort of like going on to those using them as well as part of their character. And we love to see that as well. Right, right. Absolutely. And the third question we have for you sort of in appreciation for hopping on the podcast, we let our guests determine the future of the show. And if you'd like to shout out someone from either your baseball journey, someone you've worked with or a client or someone like that, that you think would be a cool next guest to have on the show. Oh, a next guest. Um, you know what? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, you know, if you're looking for, uh, if you're looking for a player, I got one for you. It's a, it's a current guy, but Marlon Willis, uh, with Kansas city Royals, very interesting player. Um, very intelligent player. He'd have a lot of good stuff to to talk about. He's a you know he's a guy ninety eight mile an hour fastball from the left side. So just just to to know what it would feel like to be able to throw a ninety eight mile an hour fastball from the left side, right, is is fascinating. But but again, he's a guy with a lot of upside. Uh, very again, very intelligent. Would have a lot of good things to say. So I'd like to like to shout out Marlon. Keep an eye on him this year. I think he's a kid that's really really going to have a a big year uh, in that Royals organization and going forward. Uh, they, they have a really good one there, Marlon Willis. 
Absolutely. would love to have him on. Should be a blast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, maybe you can teach He's me how to throw 98. Uh, <laughs> <for some tips. laughs> What's that? Maybe I'll ask for some tips on how to throw 98. We should, we should all ask him for tips. I don't, and it, it, it's, here's a great, it's, it's effortless though. That's the thing. It's not really, you know, he's kind of just slinging it out there at 98 and I, and I look at it and I'm just like, that can't be comfortable. That's the, what I know is, man, like people throwing 98 looks so much easier than me throwing like 80. Like I'm, yeah. like, I'm, throwing, I'm like, wow, that looks so much easier. And I'm here like struggling to hit 82. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. I remember watching Araldis Chapman, Back when he was on the Reds, you know, I'm sitting right behind home plate. I mean, this guy's just 103, 103, 102, 103. And, and I'm sitting here going, yeah, I don't know how any left-hander has a chance tonight. Uh, you know, he's throwing a slider out there. And, and I was like, hey, good luck tonight because uh, this guy's on. So, yeah, to, to be able to throw a baseball that hard is, is crazy. But, no, Marlon uh, doing it there at 98 is uh, pretty remarkable. I love him. The Royals have been developing pitching early of late too. Cole Reagan's Brady Singer. So let's see if he's going to be the next one. We can't wait to see his journey play out. But we really appreciate yeah. you hopping on the podcast today with us. Really appreciate all the inside scoop into what it's like being an MLB agent. And can't wait to see how your prospects fare out in the future. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. Absolutely. So for Dylan Campione, Nico Fernandez, and Jason Hoffman, until the next time, the side is retired.